sickness and injuries, and uh, we don't to remember them in our uh, prayers. We have a great God, Amen. a God that hears our requests, and uh, so we just need to lift them up to a, uh, to a God that cares about each and every one of us in a very special way. I want to pray for our services this morning, that if there's one person lost without Christ Jesus, that they might come to the realization of that, and uh, the lighthouse folks will make a difference in your uh, uh, your life, and that lighthouse, of course, is uh, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes a difference in uh, your life. He's the one that will set you free from the bondage and captivity of sin. He's the one that we need to turn to, even in times of illness uh, or whatever we may be experiencing in our uh, in our life, because He is always there uh, for us. Invite your attention this morning to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. Uh, we will continue our book study in the book of Philippians uh, tonight, but uh, I do want to uh, share these scriptures with you this morning, and I'd like for you to consider this subject this morning, God's last words to man. God's last words to man. Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we just once again come before you confessing our sins that's ever before you. Father, we thank you that we're able to confess our sins to a Savior that has proven his love for us by his willingness give his life and shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for the redemption of all mankind. I'm thankful for the word all because that's an all-inclusive one and it means and includes me. And I thank you for that. So undeserving and at times so unwilling and at times rebellious in your sight. Thankful, Father, that you're able, you were able to deliver me and so many others because of your love for each and every one of us because of your sacrifice on the cross at Calvary. So we pray for each one that's here today. Whatever their needs might be, you know about each one. I pray that you might grant their request and meet their needs according to your riches and glory, whether it's salvation, service, healing, whatever it might be. You're a God that knows everything, and you are God, and we thank you. I ask you to bless this time that we have together. Many decisions will be made, and I trust they'll all be pleasing to you. We ask for your presence in the services today. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We ask your presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit to be felt in each one of our lives to control every thought, control every move, control every decision. These things we ask in your, your son Jesus' name. Amen.
how a person starts a letter is so very important. And this is John's record of the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's very important that we see these first two verses of Scripture in Revelation chapter 1. Read with me, if you will, in Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Very important. He's God. He's not only the Savior. He's not only the Son of God, but He is God. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants, which we would be included in that. We are his servants. I trust that we are. I trust that every person here today can say that we are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, which must come shortly come to pass and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ of all things that he saw God gave it this revelation these words to Jesus Christ and to John to be delivered to each and every one of us. I'm thankful for this. And I don't know about you, but that's a pretty impressive introduction when you think about it. These are God's words, beginning and ending God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction and righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly all good works. This is God's revelation to each and every one of us. And it is true. It is inspired word of God. Often, I don't know how many of you ever uh, have done this, but the closing of a letter is very important. How many of you have ever started a book, and then before you were finished with that book, you'd go to the, read the end of it to see what the end ended up, because you just couldn't deal with the suspense of it all. I have had a tendency to do that. I'll be reading a book, say, what is this? And I'd go to the ending and read the last chapter so I'd know what it's all about. And, uh, I know that's not what you're supposed to do, but anyhow, that's what I, uh, that I do. But this is the close of God's letter to the human family. This message is drawn from the very close, closing of the book of Revelation, which John said was given to him. These are literally the last words to man. Verse 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. We do not, we do not have the privilege to take away or to add to the unsearchable truths of God's holy writ. Man does not have that privilege to do that. 
I think there are three things in these God's last words to man that I'd like for us to look at this morning. There's a promise, which is very important, a prayer, and a provision. Now, first of all, I want us to look at the promise. Surely, I come quickly. Now, I don't know how many people that's been saved by God's grace would pray that prayer. Because this promise has to do with the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And a large portion, a large portion of the New Testament have to do with his resurrection, but also his second coming of our second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we think about the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the very first thing we notice is the resurrection of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, without the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then we wouldn't be talking about the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you look in verse 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again today, and he's alive today, and he's coming again one of these days. He said, oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. A promise to each and every one of us. I want you to look in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Many scriptures talks about the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is a comfort. And these are things we need to know. And we need these are things we need to believe about the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said unto the believers at this particular time, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, what did he say? I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Pretty impressive, isn't it? These are God's words, folks. It's not my words. It's God's word to each and every one of you that's been washed in the blood of Jesus and been saved by the matchless grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is it important? Is it important for a person to be saved? Is it important for a person to trust Jesus Christ as a Savior? Is it important for us to live for him and to stand for him? Yes, it is, folks, because one of these days, the promise, I surely, I come quickly. And 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel. And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Surely, I come quickly. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16 is very important. But also, when we look in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, we have these words. Which also said, said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? 
This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. This same Christ, God's Son, must come back to fulfill this promise. This same Jesus, this same Christ that you see ascending into heaven, you see with your own eyes. This same Jesus, he said to his disciples, the angel of the Lord said, shall come back. And he says, surely I come quickly. He means by the word quickly that as God measures time. And I know a lot of people said it's been 2,000 years since he said that. Yes, it has. Read with me, if you will, in 2 Peter 3 and 8. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. This is not man's schedule that we're talking about. It's God's schedule. And he has his own schedule of time. When we look at this, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. Second Peter 3 and 8. He could come at any moment And we see this over and over and over again talked about in the Scripture. In Matthew 24 and 4, Luke 12 and 39, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2, 2 Peter 3 and 10, every one of these Scriptures, they emphasize one thing, that the Lord will come suddenly, unexpectedly, as a thief in the night. He will come. When man is not expecting him to come. Listen, folks. Jesus is alive. And just as surely as he is alive today, the promise that we find in these scriptures, he's going to come again. And he's going to come as a thief in the night. What does a thief do? They come in the houses preferably that are empty, that they know everybody's gone. They come at a time that people are not expecting them. Well, bless your heart over and over again and again. The scripture tells us, warns us that he's going to come as a thief in the night. Listen, he wants God's people to be ready for him when he comes. That's why he warns us the very last words in the scripture he warns us and encourages us to be faithful to him because i'm going to come he says and i'm going to come quickly and i'm going to come as a thief in the night least anybody would be prepared at the last minute you ever heard people say well i'm gonna wait till the last minute and then i'm gonna trust jesus as savior of your soul unfortunately you don't have that promise folks Our life is like a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Here today, 
gone tomorrow. Then not only do we have a promise, but we have a prayer. John's reaction to this promise was simply to pray. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. It's a very simple prayer. Yet it's a prayer that is very definite to the point. It is a cry of a, of a servant longing to see Jesus. A cry of a child of God that was washed in the blood of Jesus. That knew what it meant to suffer. Knew what it meant to be persecuted for the cause of Christ. Knew what it meant over and over again to re ridicule and mock because of his stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he could say, even so come, Lord Jesus. He was ready. Now, how does a person get ready and be able to say that? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. First of all, folks, there has to be a repentance of sin. There has to be godly sorrow before a righteous and holy God to trust him as your personal Savior. And listen, folks, we've got so many folks that members members of churches all over this world, they've been baptized and they've been this, but they have never with godly sorrow before a righteous and holy God and said, I repent, I'm sorry, I need to be saved, and you're the only one that can help me. Churches are full of people that's going to die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. And that's a sad thing, folks. So many people, God's people, are living like they do not expect the Lord Jesus to come. For 2,000 years, he's been saying this. Why would I believe that now? Because he said it was going to happen. And you know what? <laughs> it doesn't matter what the world believes. It doesn't matter what the lost believes. It really doesn't matter what the saved believe. Because it is not going to delay the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It will not change his schedule regardless of what we believe. It will not change God's schedule about when he comes and he'll come as a thief in the night. Unfortunately, so many of God's people are living like he's not even alive, that he's dead, and that he's not coming back. You see, if we miss the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we'll be left behind. You understand that? We'll be left behind. Only those that's been washed in the blood of Jesus, when Jesus busts that eastern sky wide open, only those that's been saved will be taken up with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The dead in Christ, and then we which are alive and remain, shall be called up to be with him forever and ever and ever. The rest will be left behind to go through a tribulation period. And folks, I don't even like to think about that. Any friend or loved one or anyone else would I wish this on. It's going to be a horrible, horrible time. And it's a choice people make to reject Jesus Christ as Savior of their soul. It's not God's choice because it's God's desire to have all men to be saved. You know that? How, do I, how can you say that, preacher? He proved that 
on the cross at Calvary. If nothing else was said, he proved that when he died on the cross at Calvary, that he loved you enough to give his life and to shed his blood. He proved that. That it's his desire that all men be saved. That's why he left the Holy Spirit to convict us and to lead us in a direction that he would have us to do. Isn't it exciting to know that he promised that the Holy Spirit would not only be present in our life, but present in the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ when God's people come together? I wouldn't want to be any worse that I couldn't take Jesus with me. Wouldn't want to. If I can't take him with me, and if I can't take the Holy Spirit with me, then I don't want to go. And we should not go. Unfortunately, those that are living disobedient, rebellious life before a righteous and holy God will not pray this prayer. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. John loved him and he served him. And he was isolated at this particular time to write into the book of Revelation. But unfortunately, we live in a society that is so worried and so hungry for the things of this world that they forgot to honor God with their life and to serve him in an acceptable way. Every Christian, a spiritual dedication person, should be able to say, Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come, come quickly, Lord Jesus. There's a promise and there's a prayer. I hope that's the prayer of each and every one of you. But there's also a provision. And that's what I like. There's a provision for each and every one of us to be ready. For the Lord Jesus when he comes. And I know I've talked to you about my eagle on my flagpole. And it's caused a lot of people to ask questions about why my flagpole, my eagle is looking east. My wife even told my neighbor when she was working in the flower bed, he'd come by and said, why is your husband's eagle looking that way? She said, That's my husband's doing. But then she explained to him that the Lord Jesus is going to bust the eastern sky wide open. And we not only want to be ready, we want our eagle to be ready too. The provision, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The last subject God mentioned before he closed the book was the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Marvelous, matchless grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace is God taking upon himself the penalty and judgment of our guilt for all time and eternity. He took my judgment. He took my punishment. He took my sins forever unto the cross at Calvary. To die and to shed his blood on the cross at Calvary. 
grace is not receiving that which we deserve. But Jesus took all that upon himself. We are saved by grace. When we look in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, under good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. For by grace are you saved. And he emphasizes this, not by works, but by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what Titus 3 and 5 says. Not by works of righteousness, which he have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and regeneration of the Holy Ghost. Isn't it exciting to know that God paid our total debt and we can do nothing except to receive the gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I trust, folks, that each and every one of you today have received Jesus Christ as Savior of yourself. And not only receive him as Savior, but you might allow him to be Lord of your life. You know what it means to allow him to be Lord? Not only Savior, but by receiving him as Savior, yes, we have a home in heaven. Yes, we are guaranteed that by the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But by allowing him to be Lord, that we are allowing him to, to take control of our life and to lead us and direct us in the decisions that we make, where we go, what we do, everything. How we pray, if we pray. How we read the Word of God, if we read the Word of God. So many people go through their life and never lifted up their prayer for one another. Never lifted up their prayer for the Lord's church. Never lifted up their voice in prayer for the pastor. Never praying. Don't have time. And the only time the Bible is picked up is when we come to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's not even the case. Folks, we need to take the time to study the word of God. Grace takes men out of sin and places him in Christ. I don't know about you, but there's no greater place for a person to be than in Christ. When you're in Christ, then you've been washed in the blood of blood of Jesus. When you're in Christ, you've been saved by the matchless grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you are in Christ is so very important. Grace means that God does all the saving, and all we have to do is receive him. No charge. You know, I went to Walmart this week, and I've said this before. And I tried to get out without, with a basket full of groceries and other stuff that I probably didn't need. And they made me pay for it. Makes no sense. But the greatest need that we have is free. No charge. So many things we buy, we don't need. We pay for them, we don't need them. But we do need Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. A promise, a promise.
prayer and the provision. God has supplied everything that we need in the last two verses of the book of Revelation. In the last two verses of 66 books in the Bible, God has provided everything that we need as his children. No charge. Free. Free. And this morning, you can have Jesus as Savior of your soul. You can have him as Lord of your life. No charge. Free. Simply by refusing him and acknowledge him and acknowledge before him that you're a sinner before God. There's nothing good about you, folks. There's nothing good about me. The Bible says we're all filthy sinners before a righteous and holy God. We can do nothing to impress God at all. Nothing. There is none good. No, not one. None good. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And he paid it all. And all he wants you to do is to receive him as Savior of your soul. No charge. And if you are saved by God's grace, but how about us start living like it and acting like it and serving him like we really believe that he's not only Savior, but he's Lord. This morning as we stand and we prepare this song of invitation, the choice is yours. The choice is yours. You decide when the Lord comes, and he's going to come quickly as a thief in the night. You decide it's your choice and nobody else, and nobody can make the decision for you. Nobody. Whether you are taken up with him when he comes or you are left behind. You can't have it both ways. Either you receive him as Savior of your soul, and if you do that, when he comes, then he's going to take you up out of this world. If not, your choice, your decision, then you're going to be left behind. Nobody can make that decision for you. Nobody. You have to make it on your own. And it's free. No charge. As we sing, Brother Don. Praise the name of Jesus.